Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today we're going to do a adventure, a solo role-playing experiment with Song of Swords, playing with the hero that I created in the world that I created, Adam Nelson of Earth, on the planet, the distant planet Mayamoon, which is definitely not Barsoom, um, has some differences from... Edgar Rice Burroughs creation, um, although there are definitely some similarities that people will notice. Anyway, um, yeah, we're going to get into an adventure and um, play through it and see how it goes. So stay tuned for that. All right. So we begin our story in a tavern in a town called Kelios on the distant planet Mayamoon. This town is essentially where Adam Nelson of Earth has uh, settled in a little bit. I'm picturing this as not too long after he arrived on the planet and he has figured out how to perhaps work as a day laborer a little bit. He's gotten himself his sword and his guns, certainly. Um, but he's, you know, basically still a, a transient. Um, and he's drinking alone in this tavern, probably is being given a fairly wide berth by um, most of the patrons because he's kind of a, a big, mean-looking guy and all that sort of stuff. When up comes a Vaish merchant, remember the Vaish are the red-skinned Mayamun people, um, often with dark hair and kind of brightish red skin, but sometimes a more dull red. Um, and this Vaish merchant, who clearly is uh, fairly well off, he's kind of in the prime of his life, going a little bit, a little bit, uh, maybe a little past the prime, his, you know, hairline receding a bit and him, you know, leaning towards or going towards fat at this point. But this Vaish merchant sits down across from Adam and says, I hear you may be in the market for adventure. And Adam, of course, Finishes off his drink and says, well, if you buy me another drink, I certainly will be. And so they get to talking. And it turns out that this Vaish merchant um, has a uh, proposition, a treasure map to a recently unearthed tomb from the ancient Vaish people. And this is... Um, he sort of says that he doesn't really have time to go chasing ghost stories and fairy tales like that, but that if uh, Adam will go and uh, adventure and figure out what's in there and defeat any guardians of this tomb and all that sort of stuff, that he can uh, keep half of whatever treasure that he finds um, if he gives half to the merchant. The the other issue is that this uh, this valley that the tomb is in is in the territory of a city-state called Raklos, which is at the moment an enemy of Kelios. And so um, there's some 
some uh, concern about adventuring there. Adam, as kind of an outsider, can sort of adventure there, but the the merchant, obviously, he's uh, not as likely to be able to make it there and all that sort of stuff. And so Adam agrees, but he says, how about instead of half, I keep... three quarters of whatever I find and you can have one quarter of the treasure since you're doing so little of the work. And the merchant kind of pushes back and says, how about a third and two thirds? So we're going to have a persuasion roll. Adam doesn't have any points in persuasion, but he does have better than average charisma. So we're going to roll 70, 10, greater than 7. Three successes for Adam versus Merchant's three successes. So Adam is not able to convince the Merchant for less than a third, the, the one-third, two-thirds share. But... Um, they agree to that. Um, the merchant kind of agreeing surprisingly quickly, and that'll come up. Adam probably doesn't notice because he is uh, fairly inebriated at this point in the evening, um, which is, of course, his flaw that he is a hard drinker. Um, but it will uh, become apparent later on in the adventure why that is. And so in the morning, Adam armed with, he's got his kind of like cotton or silk shirt and his heavy leather belt and breeches and boots, his rapier and a pair of pistols on his hips. Um, and now stuffed into his belt, he has a map, a map to the valley where this uh, ancient Vesh tomb is said to be located steps out in out of Kelios into the world to go adventuring. And so we're going to roll for some random encounters. So slash R six. The first day, the morning and the evening, nothing unusual. Adam is walking. I'm picturing that the roads on May Moon follow the kind of uh, elaborate canal structure for the most part. The, uh, the canals which connect the various city-states and um, are the source of their water and all that sort of stuff. And so the roads along the way, especially in civilized territory, and Adam is still in the, the sort of civilized influence of Kelios. There's some traffic back and forth, and it's... Uh, Feels fairly, you know, it's uh, a little humid because of the canals, but it's relatively cool in this area. It's not, um, there's probably trees along, growing alongside, at least on one side of the road, next to the canals. And it's uh, something a little less desert-like, a little more tropical in this part of the world. Um, and Adam is probably kind of grateful for the 
the breakup of, you know, not the harsh wildlands, the desert wildlands of Mayamoon. Um, but nothing happens on the first day or the second day or the third day or the fourth day, particularly out of the ordinary. There's probably an inn that Adam stays at um, at most of the the ends of the days, you know, the uh, basically a wide spot on the road where he can uh, rest up. And I think the merchant has given him a couple of silvers to be able to pay for uh, food and lodging along the way. But it's at the end of the fourth day. The inn is sort of at the edge of the civilized territory around Kelios, and we're going to get into the wild, uncharted territory of Mayamoon. Two days... How many days? Two days of travel through the uncivilized deserts. And on the first day in the morning, there is an encounter. So, roll 1d20, 13. So Adam in the morning is sort of leaving. He is not too far, only a couple of miles away from the uh, the edge of civilized territory around Kelios when he comes across a trading caravan of Vaish people. Um, there are... How many of them are there? Seven merchants plus a, a leader of the merchants. Um, all of them riding cartarshes, and the cartarshes are sort of like um, Saurian horses. They um, fulfill a similar role to horses on Earth, but they're um, like a lot of the wildlife on uh, Mayamoon. They're kind of scaly and uh, more dinosaur-like. And about half of these are being ridden, and half of them are carrying goods, so Adam kind of waves the 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 merchants down and ask them where they've been going and they say they've come from Raklos presumably because that's the the next city on the way and they say that they're you know a little worried about the possibility of war between Kelios and Raklos and they're already on unfriendly terms but they're going to continue you know selling their goods and all of that sort of stuff as best they can and um yeah, they don't have anything particular to say. He probably doesn't ask them about the valley with the tomb in it at all because that's um, he doesn't want them to know that that's his goal in case they do know anything about that. Um, but yeah, that's the, you know, maybe shares a drink of water with the leader of the caravan and then goes about his way. And at this point, he's going to have to make camp in the desert. It's probably still, it's probably, um, I'm picturing it as being kind of the spring. And so it's still not as hot in the day and not as it's probably fairly cold at night, but he's got um, not too bad for somebody like Adam who is uh, used to roughing it. Or at least has become used to roughing it in um, this uh, this kind of world, and so he's going to be all right. 
Um, the next couple of days pass without incident. Um, nothing particular happens, and soon enough he is back in the civilized territory of the city of Raklos, the kind of area um, overwatched by it and its uh, guards and its uh, people and all that sort of stuff, the, the outlying fringes. And again, nothing particular happens outside of Raklos, it's another three days. Once again, there are inns by the side of the road in this more civilized territory. Um, it's another three days of travel for Adam, walking along at a pretty good pace. He's got that sort of deliberate marching pace to go, but um, nothing particularly out of the ordinary. He probably passes some small trading caravan, some farmers bringing their goods to market and all that sort of stuff, but nothing, nothing super uh, unusual by any means. And um, that's going to be that. He gets to Raklos safely and securely. And now he is going to, we're going to do one day in Raklos. So another set of encounter rolls. Oh, there is an event in the morning of his day in Raklos. And what is the event going to be? On 11, there is a street preacher that Adam runs into. Perhaps he even accosts Adam. Adam, who looks like a street preacher for Danella, the mother goddess, who is standing uh, just inside the entrance to Raklos, who is preaching about the virtues of Danella, the mother goddess, and picks Adam out of the crowd and says something like, you there, you seem to be strong and powerful, but don't you realize that your strength comes from the, the gifts of the mother goddess? And Adam kind of tries to wave him away, and he probably makes a little more trouble until he sees that Adam is not interested and not particularly uh, willing to play along. And so um, the, the priest goes back to his preaching um, and uh, Adam slips away into the city of Raklos, finds a tavern, probably has more than a bit Maybe a little too much to drink once again, um, but he uh, does that and then gets a good night's sleep and prepares to head out in the morning. Um, so this time we are going to have to make some navigation rolls to follow the uh, Adam is going to head I think to uh, off into kind of the closest uncivilized territory is perhaps to the north of Raklos. He's been traveling kind of east-west, and he goes north of Raklos where they haven't uh, don't patrol out as far and all that sort of stuff. So it's only going to be one day of civilized. So let's see if there's any event on his one day in the civilized territory, which he's not going to need to roll for because he's just going to follow the road. There is an event in the afternoon, and let's see what it is. Another 11. Civilized Overland. Another trading caravan. Uh, a Vaish trading caravan with uh, a couple of 
based traders and a merchant leader and Kartarshes, and they're coming in. I think they have uh, actually sort of skirted around. They're not coming from uh, a northern city or anything like that. They're just uh, got lost in the wilderness and have now met back up with the the major roads that are maintained by the cities and so are able to uh to get back to Raklos itself and so Adam kind of you know sends them points them in the right direction um and then prepares to head out into the wilderness so each what is Adam's navigation. He has one navigation and five perceptions. So that's going to be six dice. I think he only needs, he probably only needs one success because he has the map with him in order. Well, let me see what the book says about navigation. Um, to do, this is the wrong direction. Navigation, navigating a familiar um, do, do, do. <laughs> yeah, I think one, one required success is probably about right for each day. So do, do, do. six D 10 greater than seven. So for the first day, Two successes. So Adam is able to navigate along the map towards the valley. And in fact, is able to keep that up for each day. Let's roll for random encounters. One random encounter in the evening of the first day in the wilderness. That's another 11. What is the 11 in the wilderness? A lone Tarsh scout. So one of the scouts of the local Tarsh tribes. And remember the Tarsh, the Vaish are the red-skinned people of Mayamun. The Tarsh are the green-skinned ones who are more tribal and they live often as nomads. There's a lone Tarsh scout. And Adam probably kind of sees this Tarsh scout from uh, one of the hills, sees him on the other hill. Um, there's no need for uh, any type of violence here, but um, they probably don't. They probably just kind of note each other and then don't actually kind of do anything in particular. Um, and they just uh, kind of Adam can see there's a the the Tarsh scout is riding a a car Tarsh, one of the Saurian horses. And, Probably has a bow and maybe a sword. And Adam's sight is pretty good, considering that he notices all those things. Um, but yes, Adam Adam notices the Tarsh Scout and is probably thinking that that means that there's a um, a Tarsh uh, tribe or war band or something within a couple of days travel and probably hopes that he doesn't run into them along the way to uh, to the the Vaish tomb. But that's the only thing particularly out of the ordinary as he travels through the wilderness until he gets to the valley. And it's a sort of wide valley that opens up and he can see 
that there's sort of a uh, on one side there's more of like a cliff face and there's something carved into the side of the cliff at the bottom and Adam marches down into the valley and comes out to this and you can see it's kind of I'm picturing it as sort of Egyptian style these sort of colossal statues of the ancient Vaish one on either side of this black dark hole the entrance to the tomb the catacombs of the ancient Vaish and Adam sort of stands there looking and thinking about his trip here and then, you know, gathers his courage and marches on into the the black the darkness. Um, probably lights a torch. Seems like that would be reasonable for him to do. Um, so he's got a torch in one hand, probably has his sword out, his rapier in the other, and marches off into the tomb. So Adam, torch raised, sword. He probably actually doesn't have his sword out. He's got his hand free so that he could grab a gun if he needs to or grab his sword because he's, he's very quick um, on quick on the draw and all that sort of stuff, or at least he's pretty quick on the draw. Um, yeah, he's, you know... He's pretty quick and all that sort of stuff when he needs to be good, good reaction times and all that sort of stuff. Um, he's got his torch in his left hand, holding it above his head, um, walks into the tomb. And what does he find? Here's something strange. And uh, there's a sort of creaking noise that he can hear. And at this, he draws his rapier um, because out of the darkness comes shambling a creature, a humanoid form, but uh, desiccated the remains of a Vaish mummy. So Adam is going to get in a duel with the Vaish mummy. And so um, this is going to be kind of an interesting one because they're in partial darkness. So Adam is going to, and then Adam also, he doesn't have any skill with one handed blunt. So if he wants to use his torch as a weapon, what is that going to do? Uh, schools and proficiencies. Hmm. <laughs> One-handed sword to one-handed blunt is minus one. So hypothetically what he could do is he could use his torch as a weapon for minus one CP. Um, but he's also going to be fighting in partial darkness. So he's going to lose 25% of his CP. So yeah, it's going to be 12. What's a quarter of 12 is three. So down to nine. Versus this Vaish mummy. The Vaish mummy, mummy can see in the dark. So it's not going to lose any for fighting in the darkness. So it's going to be at its full seven. So they're going to square off. Adam is going to... 
Hmm. Is he going to go aggressive? I think he is going to go aggressive. Um, and I'm using the club medium or rod as the stats for the torch. Um, that seems like it's probably about right for the, the, the torch. Um, probably a little less balanced than the club medium rod. So I'll, I'll boost up the defensive value to seven from six. Um, but what's he going to do? What's he going to do? So Adam is going to go aggressive. This Vaish mummy is going to go aggressive too. So we're going to test initiative. Luckily for Adam, his adroitness is much better than the Vaish Mummy, which kind of shambles around and moves pretty slowly. So Adam rolls his adroitness, which is 5d10 for one success. Mummy rolls 2d10, one success. So they're right now going to be hitting at exactly the same time. Um, Adam is going to probably need to steal initiative on the mummy. So let's, because that seems to be the only way for him. He's, he's not going to be particularly well off if they both strike at the same time. So it's the mummy's perception in cost. Mummy's perception is three because it's worse than an average human's. Um, it can't like, you know, smell or hear at all. I'm imagining it just has pretty good eyesight. Um, whatever force animates it and all that sort of stuff. So he's going to spend three from his CP pool of nine to be down to six to re-roll the initiative check. Adam gets no successes. Mummy gets one success, so the mummy is going first. So Adam, instead of attacking, is going to have to defend. The mummy is going to allocate um, its CP pool. It's going to allocate five dice to a, a cut or a thrust. Probably a cut, because that seems like sort of mummy-like maneuver. Uh, sort of mummy zombie-like maneuver. A cut to the head coming down. Adam, of course, the mummy doesn't know, has head guard. Oh, but he can't use it because he's doing a blunt weapon. So he's at his reduced CP for that. So Adam has six. He is going to defend with four as well. And we're going to, he's actually going to defend with five to try to take initiative. So Adam with five, it's four successes versus the mummy with four, it's two successes. So the mummy kind of swings from above down towards Adam's head and parries the blow with his torch. Adam only has uh, two left versus the mummy's three. So Adam is also going to swing He's going to swing at the mummy's chest to try to set it alight. And the mummy is going to, uh, to try to parry the blow. So Adam, with his last two, no successes, 
versus the mummy parrying with three gets two successes. So the mummy is able to parry Adam's blow towards the uh, the chest of it itself. Um, but now we are on to the next round. Everybody refreshes Adam up to nine, the Vaish mummy up to seven. The mummy swings once again, this time, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a thrust, a thrust at Adam's no a swing. Yeah, let's do a swing. A swing at Adam's upper arm. Or maybe lower arm. Yeah, lower arm. He's swinging at Adam's arm where he's holding the torch, trying to get him to drop the torch because he doesn't like that he's got the torch. Also gonna swing with four again. So 40 10. Adam is going to parry with five once again which leaves him four left in the mummy three. Adam successfully parries, but not enough to take initiative. He only gets two successes to the mummy's two successes. So the mummy has no bonus successes, um, does not connect, but Adam does not take initiative. So the mummy with three is going to swing at Adam's leg with three and then Adam with four is going to try to parry, which is going for the upper leg. And Adam does get enough this time, parries away the blow, and is able to take control of the fight, seizes initiative, and now he's going to have a chance. Um, Adam is going to, so refresh again, Mummy up to seven, Adam Nelson back up to nine. Adam is gonna go for a big strike try to um, cut down the mummy with one big blow to the chest. So he's going to put all nine into it. The mummy is no fool. So it's what it's going to do is try to parry with the seven, I think. And we'll just have a, a no, a nothing round after... Adam gets four successes. The mummy, four successes as well. So Adam strikes as hard as he can right towards the mummy's chest, but the mummy parries the blow at the last second. The, the torch and the sword, the old kind of rusty jagged sword, lock against each other for a second. The two combatants sort of try to shove each other backwards. They step apart for a second. Adam catching his breath, the mummy... Obviously doesn't have breath to catch, but it's uh, uh, pretty annoyed. Adam is going to do go in once again, this time going for the head, swinging down at the mummy's head with the torch and doing essentially exactly the same thing, trying to batter his way through the mummy's defenses. Four successes again versus the mummy's no successes. Oh, no. It's probably the end for the mummy. So Adam, with his uh, rod uh, or club medium, gets no bonus blunt damage. So it's his strength damage bonus plus his four successes is eight plus no weapon damage versus the mummy's only got a toughness of three is five. So Adam smashes down 
into the top of the mummy's skull and what kind of like dusty remains are inside there crack open. The mummy falls to the ground and its head is just on fire. Adam kind of jabs at it again with the torch, sets it on fire other places. It catches really easily now that the, the animating force is not blocking his blows and he's able to, to, uh, set the mummy on fire and in as the mummy lights on fire it lights up the inside of this area and he can see oh no there are two more of them so adam very quickly reaches down and grabs the sword the ancient sword because he realizes his rapier his rapier is not very good for hacking off mummy parts but his uh this ancient sword it's a kind of classic knightly longsword. It reaches down and grabs it up off the ground in his right hand, his torch still in his left. Um, the area is illuminated well enough that he's not going to take any penalties, but there are two mummies shambling towards him. So what he needs to do first off is probably do the thread the needle maneuver unless he wants to try to parry offhand with the uh he doesn't have ambidexterity or anything and he doesn't have um any skill with blunt weapons so he is probably just best off doing thread the needle um, do, do, do hilt push maneuvers, mounted maneuvers, thread the needle, play two CP for each opponent you're targeting, and then roll Y plus mobility at TN7. All opponents roll mobility at TN8. So these Vaish mummies only have five mobility versus Adam's eight mobility. So I don't think he's going to put any extra in. So he's going to spend four of his 13 to be down to nine versus their seven again. But he wants to face one of them at a time. Um, so Adam is going to roll his... Eight mobility at TN7 is five successes versus their five mobility at TN8 is one success for one of them, one success for the other. Adam's only going to have to, he kind of steps back into the, the kind of tighter area and dares one of the mummies to come after him. It's too tight for two of them to go. And so he's going to have the advantage, be able to fight them one-on-one. -on -one. Um First one, once again, he's going to go aggressive. Mummy's going to go aggressive. We're going to test adroitness again. Adam's five adroitness greater than seven. For initiative, do, do, do is three successes versus the mummy's two adroitness. No successes. Adam easily has the initiative. He moves much quicker than these shambling things. He's going to swing at the neck. I guess we should have rolled a swing target zone uh, actual hit for uh, the torch hit. But no matter. He's going to swing for the neck with all nine of his 
Mommy doesn't have a chance to steal initiative, uh, Snowball's chance in hell to steal initiative, so he is going to just try to parry with seven. Adam, once again. Nine, the ten, greater than seven is only two successes versus seven, the ten, greater than seven is two successes. Once again, the mummy parries the blow going towards its neck, but we're going to do the refresh and then try the same thing again. Essentially, Adam going for it. Three successes this time. The mummy with only two successes. So Adam with one net success, but the arming sword chivalric that the mummy was using has plus two damage. So Adam's eight strength is plus four damage. Plus two for the arming sword is six. Plus one for the bonus success is seven. Minus three is down to a level four wound. And let's see slash R1D10. Uh, on the neck is eight lower head. So Adam crushes, cuts through this zombie's lower head and kind of knocks it off to the side. Its head um, knocks against the wall and Adam just sort of finishes it off with a pommel strike as it's uh, stunned. And then we have one more left. Adam still with the torch in one hand, the one zombie burning on the ground, the other one having had its head caved in by its own sword uh, or its own type of sword. Adam comes up and he's going to do essentially precisely the same thing, only this time his combat pool is huge. So his combat pool of 13 allows him to roll 13 d10. <laughs> Greater than seven, which is five successes versus the zombie's parry. But everything it has into the parry is only four successes. Once again, that's seven damage minus three toughness for a level four wound on the neck itself. So Adam chops deep into the creature's neck, doesn't completely, well, he might actually sever the head with a level four wound. Let me, let me check and see a level four wound. We're playing a little fast and loose with uh, this stuff. Um, throat and jugular cut needs surgeon immediately. The mummy cut down, it falls to its knees, kind of grasping. I'm picturing that these creatures still feel kind of the they're um, mummified by the desert sands and they're animated by an evil life force, but they're uh, they were um, sacrificed here for the the Vaish for whom this tomb was created. Like you know, classic, um, they're entombed with their master essentially, and that they still feel. Because um, the, the combat system kind of breaks down if they don't feel any pain or anything like that at all. So Adam chops through most of this one's neck. And then as it sort of falls to its knees, drops its sword, clutching at its throat. And Adam, just with another strike, comes and cleanly decapitates this last one. And then he, he looks down at the sort of poorly crafted... Uh, arming sword that he had taken from the mummy. It looks around and he can see that this is the end of the mummies coming after him. So he tosses it to the floor and then steps forward to the actual 
the the sarcophagus itself. It's got a heavy lid, but Adam has great athletics. So he's going to use his strength plus his athletics, which his strength is eight and his athletics is nine. So that is 11d10. Greater than seven. Five successes, definitely enough for him to kind of reach under and slide this heavy stone lid off of the sarcophagus. Falls to the floor with a huge boom. Adam holds up his torch and looks down into the sarcophagus and he sees a sword. There is another, this time not animated, but a, a, essentially a, a mummified by the desert winds, another beige. Its hands clasped over its chest and held in its hands is a sword. This is a sort of um, early rapier, and it's made out of some type of glinting metal that has not lost its sheen at all. It looks just magnificent. Adam reaches down, wrenches off the hands from this blade, reaches down, grasps the hilt and pulls it out of the sarcophagus. It's gleaming in the firelight of the torch. And then he turns the hair on the back of his neck, sticks up again because he thought he heard something from outside the tomb. And I will be right back with the third part of the Catacombs of the Vaish. All right, and I am back. Adam, like I said, heard a noise from outside, is holding the torch in one hand and this ancient rapier in the other, and it's beautiful. He can feel that the balance on this thing is incredible and that the edge, he just has this kind of preternatural sense that the edge and the tip are just incredibly sharp and um, will not need sharpening or anything like that to, to do their job. So he leaves his own, his kind of classic rapier in its sheath by his side and steps around the sarcophagus and heads back out into the light to be confronted with four armed men and the merchant, the merchant riding a cartarsh, the merchant from the very beginning who hired Adam for this job has four armed men there who look pretty ready to attack Adam and all that sort of stuff. And Adam senses what has happened, that of course the merchant has betrayed him, wants all of the treasure from the tomb. Surely there's more than just this sword in there. Um, but even if it's just this sword, this thing must be worth a, uh, a pretty penny. And uh, Adam is not about to let the merchant have it, of course. Um, so we're going to use one of the kind of custom rules that I came up with was morale. And morale is basically in um, several stages. So morale starts at ready and then goes down to um, reluctant and then goes down to running. And the idea is that each of these measures kind of a character or an individual's situation within 
the world. A, a ready character will charge into battle. A reluctant character will defend themselves but won't really charge in. And a running character obviously will run or surrender if they are pressed. Um, what do these men have? Well, half of them have rapiers and half of them have sabers. The, the early saber from the book is specifically what they've got. Um, which is pretty deadly because it has draw two. Um, and then they have, you know, dirks at their side and all that sort of stuff as sort of backup weapons. Um, but Adam is going to shout to the these men and to the merchant, if it's blood spilled you want, then by God, I'll spill your blood today. And he is going to force them to make a morale check. So it's going to be a posed check. And let me check his uh, boons and banes. Because I think he has, yes, he has one that, um, <laughs> impressive voice. A plus two bonus to persuasion and intimidation. Oh, and apparently the, there's a, a typo in the book. Powerful, grating, and soothing, but only powerful and soothing are listed. Um, powerful. Your voice is strong, commanding, and intimidating. You gain a plus two bonus to persuasion and intimidation. Oh, I should have used that back when I was trying to persuade the merchant for a better deal. But Adam has... Uh, one rank in intimidation plus his charisma of seven is eight plus two is 10. So we're going to roll 10 dice once again, six successes versus the charisma of the, uh, the, the men, which is six. So four successes, all of them. So one, two, three, four. So two of them look like they're about ready to run. One of them looks like he has uh, mostly stood his ground. He's probably not going to charge in yet unless the merchant has does something. And one of them is clearly uh, going to defend himself and not likely to charge in at all either. So Adam has definitely intimidated this group of uh, warriors remarkably well um and so what happens next so i think the merchant says men charge in charge and he is going to try to make a morale check for them he's got a little bit better charisma he is not able to convince them to charge in. Adam tosses the torch into the sand. He's got his rapier out and ready. He starts marching forward. Two of the men kind of step back. Actually, three of them step back. Two of them a couple paces back, and one of them just back a little bit. One of them kind of draws his saber ready to, to face Adam. Adam squares up against him, rapier held low, ready to flick up and thrust into him. 
And Adam, Adam is going to go aggressive. This Vaish guy is going to go defensive. Adam, of course, he's going to put a lot of, well, actually, here's what he's going to do. He's going to put six CP into the pool for a thrust. Where is he going to thrust? He's going to thrust right at this guy's belly. Um, so Adam is putting six CP into a thrust towards this Vaish, this unfortunate Vaish's belly. The Vaish guy, um, is going to try to parry with, he's got to parry with more because he's got a saber. So he's going to try to parry with seven, but, oh no, it was a feint. Adam because he's got a rapier, he can do fluid thrust, which means that he can faint. So he is actually going... So we throw all those dice away. Adam, how much does a faint cost to use? Let me double check. A faint costs two to use. So Adam loses eight dice from his pool, which leaves him with six. The Vaish loses seven dice from his pool, which leaves him with one. Adam is actually going to thrust at the Vaish's uh, neck and um, with all six. And the Vaish can only parry with one, this warrior. So Adam with six. Only gets one success, but the Vaish with one has to get one success on his one remaining. And he does. He gets one. He just at the last second parries away the blow. Adam is not having a great day despite having uh, huge odds on a lot of these strikes. Adam thrusts towards his face and neck and the Vaish guy parries it away. Um, he's not going to be vulnerable to that tactic again. So what Adam is going to do is just... Um, essentially the same sort of thing. He's going to go, he kind of pit, thrusts high, the Vaish can't take control, so now he's going to thrust low. He's going to thrust at uh, the Vaish's upper leg. With eight, Vaish is going to parry. He has to parry with eight, of course, because that's the only thing. He's got to try to do something. Unless he wants to try to steal initiative could try to steal initiative. Yes, Adam is thrusting with eight towards the Vaish's upper leg. The Vaish is going to try to steal initiative. So that costs him two. He gets two successes on his. Adam gets one success on his adroitness roll. So the Vaish is currently going first. And that cost him two. So he's got six left. So he's doing six uh, to the head, Adam has spent eight already, which means he's got six left, but he gets plus two for a stroke down towards the head to parry that. So he declares quick defense and let me double check quick defense. Quick defense, quick defense, quick defense, quick defense. Quick defense. 
Okay. So Adam can't parry, but he can mobile void. He spends two on quick defense, and then he spends six to get three for his mobile void. Or he could just... No, he's just going to steal initiative again, of course. That's that's the simplest thing. And then he's going to pay extra into it because he has extra and this guy has only declared... has declared all of his dice. Um, oh, and it should have cost him more. Oh, if initiative from is stolen from you, you cannot steal it back this bout. Hmm. <laughs> okay, then Adam is going to do the mobile void thing. And in fact, he could have done... He could have done a master strike anyway with his eight and one in the master strike. So the quick defense would allow him to put five extra into the master strike. So yes, I think that's sorry about the, all the confusion. This is a fairly complicated melee system. So Vaish, uh, attacker with the saber rolls his six dice. It's one success. Adam with his quick defense, Yes, so Adam is doing... So, what's happened? Adam declared a thrust at the guy's upper leg. The Vaish uh, declared a, a steel initiative, and then... Oh, but the steel initiative should have cost him more, shouldn't it? Because it costs the target's perception. Okay, okay. So... Here's what happened. Adam declared a thrust for eight dice, eight from his combat pool, at the upper leg of his Vaish opponent. Vaish opponent declared a steel initiative and succeeded, and that cost him five dice, which means he has three left, so he spends three to do an overhead slash, a downward swing at Adam's head. Adam gets two extra CP for any defense against the head. So he spends two to do a quick defense and he does a mobile void, which is a dodge. Um, and basically he's going to put in three dice for that. He successfully dodges. The sword does not connect with him. Um, he doesn't have enough to steal initiative. He doesn't have enough successes to take initiative, but he's got his declared thrust anyway. And his opponent doesn't have any dice left to do anything about it. So he's going to roll his 8. E10 versus a target number of 6 for a thrust to get 5 successes. Plus 1 damage for the thrust. Plus 4 damage. That's 10 damage. Minus 4 for the toughness of the Vaish. And then minus... Uh, leather boots and pants. How much do leather boots do? Three, two, two. So two more subtracted. Do, do, do. 
So that's 10 minus 4 minus 2 is equal to 10 minus 6 equals 4. So I'll level 4 piercing wound on the thigh. Oh, we have to roll for uh, precisely where this guy was hit. On an upper leg thrust, a 4 means the thigh. Yep, like expected. So a level four thrust to the thigh. Level four piercing wound to the thigh. Does four points of stun, 12 points of pain, 15 points of bleed. Stability versus three required successes. So he's going to roll his mobility of... What is his mobility? Mobility of six... Slash R six So this vase screaming in pain drops his saber, falls to the ground, unable to do anything. He's lost all of his dice for the refreshes. Um, so he, that's why I said that he dropped his saber. He's grasping his thigh, trying not to bleed out onto the sands. Um, and uh, falls to the ground. So Adam sort of swings his sword, whips it around, blood flying off the end of the blade where he pierced this Vaish warrior's thigh, shouts, who's next? And we're going to have them make another morale check because that seems like fun. So if I remember, it was 10d10 for intimidation. Is there six? One of them remains. Two others. So two of the Vaish, two of the Vaish, the ones that took several step backwards, they don't drop their weapons, but they go fleeing off into the the valley, trying to run away from Adam as best they can. The one who only took one step back, he kind of grits his teeth, pulls out his rapier. And takes up a stance. The merchant clearly is trying to decide whether to run with the two of his men or to stand and try to give his last remaining man encouragement. But now Adam and this other Vaish warrior are going to uh, square off. So Adam kind of raises his rapier once again, puts himself into a defensive posture. This Vaish is going to attack first. He's going to attack with six adam might as well just master strike of course so adam is going to master strike defending with eight and thrusting to the belly or parrying with eight as well as thrusting to the belly with um four because it costs two for him to master strike but he gets his successes back for the thrust so the vase's thrust at his where's the vase thrusting him he's gonna thrust at his uh chest this warrior thrusts at his chest for two successes adam Carries the blow, but doesn't get any bonus successes. But now he gets to thrust back at this uh, target's belly. And he is going to do that with four. 
one net success, plus one for thrusting damage, plus four for strength bonus. And we have to see where the target was hit. That's a bonus of six. And he is hit in the side, struck in the side, stabbed in the side kind of next to the belly uh, as he was trying to twist out of the way at the last second um, for a level two wound. So let's go back to here, a level two piercing wound, stun of one, pain of five, bleed of six. He's got one die left to do something for the second part of the round, which Adam doesn't have anything to defend against. So he's going to try to uh, swipe at Adam's head, just a swing. And he is going to do 1d10 greater than seven. No successes. He's not able to, he tries to kind of with his last kind of amount of energy, tries to swipe down at Adam's face and Adam just sort of easily leans to the side Vaish Warrior took five points of pain. A minus his four grit means he's only down one for his uh, refresh. So he's down to seven on the pool. But he doesn't have initiative because I think Adam still... Well, no, I think the Vaish Warrior does have initiative. But he's going to give up the initiative and let Adam come at him. Um no, he's not. He's going to try to make Adam pay for this. He's going to uh, thrust at Adam's head, trying to get him in the face with all seven of his dice. Adam is going to once again master strike. He's going to parry with eight, plus two is ten, and then four for a thrust to the neck right back. So he's kind of lifting his blade, paring upwards, and then jabbing at this guy's neck. This warrior, he does seven, four successes versus Adam's four successes. So Adam parries the blow, doesn't get any dice back for the extra thrust, but gets to jab at this warrior's neck with four. Only gets one success again. So it's one plus one, a level four, a level two wound once again, this time to the neck. But what does a level two wound to the neck do? Stun of two. Well, there's none to take away. Pain of eight, which, uh, Pain is cumulative, so that's pain 5 plus pain 8 means that this uh, warrior, he didn't take a particularly bad thrust to the neck. He kind of got gashed along the side, but he has to drop his sword to go down and kind of grab at his neck. Adam's not going to finish him off or anything. He's not that kind of warrior. He's going to just sort of step past him and rush forward. We're going to do opposed adroitness for Adam to try to grab the reins of the cartarsh that the merchant is riding. And uh, that is 5d10 for Adam versus 
40-10 for the merchant. Adam is nearly able. Adam tries to grab the reins. The merchant sort of rears back. Um, Adam is not able to actually pull the merchant from the cartarsh, but the merchant is not going to be able to get away. Merchant reaches to his side and pulls a saber out. He's going to hack at Adam and uh, I'm going to have to pause the recording again because this has gone on so long. No, no, I don't think he's going to pull the the sword out. I think what he's going to do is just try to get away. So they're going to have to do another test to see. Unsurprisingly, Adam is able to reach out and grab the reins just before the merchant is able to get out of the the out of the way Adam's going to use his athletics to try to haul the merchant from the the back of the car tarts and he's able to do that easily he just reaches up and grabs him by the collar and kind of throws him down onto the ground holding onto the reins of the car tarts in one hand and he sort of um he's got his he had kind of tossed his sword back and forth between but he's holding onto this new rapier in the other he puts it at the vase merchant's throat and says i'll let you live just this once but if you ever cross me again it'll be your doom and then he hops onto the back of the cartarsh and rides off into the sunset the merchant wondering how he's going to survive in the wilderness with two badly wounded men and two who are probably just going to turn on him. And that is going to be the end of the first adventure, the catacombs of the Vaish. Hope you enjoyed. I'm going to do. So uh, next episode is going to be a debrief episode about this. This has gone on way too long already um, because I was having so much fun with the combat system. And also because I was trying to figure out all of the intricacies of the combat system. But um, I had a lot of fun with this. It was uh, super cool to try out this system. Um, I'm going to do a debrief episode next so that we can talk about kind of how things worked and things didn't and all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, hope you enjoyed. Uh, Outro is coming up. And uh, stay tuned for that. All right. So that's it. That's the whole episode. It got to be like an hour long, but I hope that it seemed like fun for you to listen to. It was a ton of fun for me to play through. Um, It was a good mix of a lot of different things. And I think one of the the best solo sessions that I've had yet. Um, If you want to get a hold of me, I am on Anchor, uh, anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland, which is actually how I record these episodes. And you can leave a voice message on Anchor, and I will play it in an episode. I'm also on YouTube. I'm going to put this up on YouTube. If you are on YouTube, maybe leave a comment or something. That would be really cool. It'd be cool to hear you know, what you felt like worked and what didn't and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then finally, I am at Cows from Powis on Twitter. If you're on Twitter and want to get a hold of me, that's a good way to do it. Um, But yeah, like I said, I had a lot of fun with this. I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to me play through this uh, interesting kind of unique system. Um, I hope it wasn't too distracting for me to be kind of fumbling with the rules every once in a while. 
Um, and by every once in a while, I mean a fair bit through the fight, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody.